This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Illini Choir Podcast. Big day for Illinois football as they land a landmark addition in the class of 2023. Malik Elzey makes it official, the four-star consensus composite uh, wide receiver out of Chicago Simeon. Announces he's going to be a fighting Illini, and he is the highest-ranked commitment Illinois has landed during the Brett Bielma era and the prep route. And Ryan Easterling joining me now to break this all down on what is a significant addition for Illinois. Former Cincinnati commit had offers from the likes of Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa, uh, Notre Dame. Ryan, this is a big one. What do you think this means for the Illini? Well, I, I think it's a reward for all the hard work they put in on the recruiting trail for a long time. Uh, you know, he's been a priority since the start, and this is uh, a big tip of the cap to George McDonald for seeing this one through, even when they didn't land him the first time around. You know, I, th- I think everyone thought that Cincinnati would be a big competition for them on the recruiting trail in this recruitment. You know, he, he, one of his first offers was from Michigan, and uh, with former Simeon Wolverine Chris Bryant, uh, who was one of the first guys I even covered uh, when I got into this, uh, being one of their their directors of player personnel up there, they obviously had a connection. But you know, things shook out the way they did. He committed to Cincinnati, eventually backed off that commitment late in the high school season, um, and then you know everything immediately shifted to Illinois. They held off some some forays from some other programs like Oregon, Tennessee, uh, and got it done. You know, and I think for for him. The biggest thing is probably opportunity. And I'm sure we'll, we'll get into that in a bit, but you know, kudos to Illinois for staying the course, not letting up, even when it looked like you know he might have gotten away from them for a while. Yeah, just to put this in the context of what Malik Elzey is, is he is. We'll break down what he brings to the field, but just in terms of a recruiting win, right? We don't know who's going to be the best player that Brett Bielema lands. Like Devin Witherspoon ends up being the best player they recruit in the class of 2019. That had Isaiah Williams, had Marquez Beeson, and Shimon Cooper, right? Like, you never know how this ends up, but he's the Chicago Public League's top prospect, right? He's a top five in-state prospect according to the composite rankings. He's the highest in-state prospect Illinois has landed since Gabe Megason in 2015. He's the highest-ranked Chicago Public League prospect they've landed since Martez Wilson back in 2007. Only two guys from in-state since 2010 have been uh, had a higher ranking. Uh, from in-state, and that's Meganson and Aaron Bailey. Of course, not all of these work out, right? But 
he's a very high floor prospect. He's a very uh, high ceiling prospect. And in a class where you already have Caden Fagan, a top five composite guy, in a class where it took Michigan to keep you from getting Jair Hill, Deacon Tonielli, and Roderick Pierce Ryan, like the in-state progress this staff has made is phenomenal. And this is just the commitment, I think, even more than Fagan, that kind of reaffirms yourself as a major in-state player. George McDonald said to Malik Elzey, Malik told me this a year ago, that George McDonald said, I'm going to recruit you harder than anybody for two years until you sign. And here you go. It, it pays off for Illinois. Um, and, and I think, obviously, the offensive progress has helped here, but all the in-state effort seems like it's led to this. Oh, yeah. And that's one of the things we talked about when Bielema first came on, on staff here at Illinois is that it's going to take some time for for them to really turn things around in state and, and more than time it was going to take on field progress and this year going eight and five you know they had the eight and four regular season a hot start seven and one showed that and so they had something to sell on the trail to these guys that wanted proof in the pudding right you know they wanted to see that it wasn't just lip service it wasn't just uh, promises that things were going to get better they actually showed progress on the field. And that is what's starting to appeal to some of these higher-rated recruits, some of these guys in-state that for a long time, one, weren't prioritized, and two, didn't see the results of, of what they were able to do on the field. So I think this is really the fruits of, of that in that they were able to make that progress on the field and uh, also show that prioritize, prioritization and that commitment to the state again. And I think we have to remember when Malik Elzey committed to Cincinnati, it made sense from his perspective. Like everything I heard is Illinois had done great. And, and, you know, his heart was kind of with Illinois. But when you're kind of making that decision in June, Cincinnati's coming off a college football playoff berth. Cincinnati's coming off Desmond Ritter getting picked in the third round as a quarterback. Alec Pierce, a Chicagoland guy, getting picked in the second round as a wide receiver. And Illinois had one of the worst passing offenses in the country under Tony Peterson and we got to remember when he decommitted from Cincinnati I think Illinois was six and one coming off that Nebraska win or they were seven and one right in there and Barry Lunny despite taking I guess some arrows from, from Illinois fans and understandably wasn't perfect in year one but it was a competent passing offense Tommy DeVito set a few records single season records for Illinois and you saw guys like Pat Bryant Casey Washington and Brian Hightower just entered the transfer portal all have career years. Isaiah Williams had a career year. Can they get better? Absolutely. But we saw a level of competency, and I think you saw his heart, which was kind of with Illinois. Um, that didn't win out the first time around, but then once he saw some production on the field, I think it became clear to Malik that he could have success in this offense and at Illinois, and if he felt that strongly about George McDonald and Brett Bielema. And I know Nate McNeil, the, the recruiting uh, high school recruiting director, did a really great job here. Um, I, I think he just felt like, hey, now the cell is complete and I can go with where my heart was. Yeah, and you know, you look at how the quarterback play this year elevated the wide receiver play, and I think you could say it can work the other way as well, where um, you know wide receiver play can help elevate quarterback play. And you've seen they've been able to stack a great transfer prospect in Luke Altmeyer in there. And so now being able to play with him uh, is just an added cherry on top. And and his commitment came before Elsie's commitment came. So, you know, it wasn't that Elsie was necessarily waiting to see what happened with the quarterback position. He had bought in. But together, you know, those guys – 
combined, I, I think really give you a great potential tandem for the next few years um, in that passing game, just to be able to elevate the floor and elevate the level um, of the offense. And, and it's, it's risen somewhat because of, because of the play calling, but they're also starting to get the personnel that allows them to do what they really want to do. Yeah, and I think you and I agree, Ryan. Like Malik Elzey is the exact type of personnel they need in that wide receiver room. And uh, on the the video portion of this podcast, like starting to play his uh, YouTube uh, or huddle film here, Malik Elzey is a fantastic prospect, right? Like the the type of wide receiver prospect Illinois hasn't had in a while. I saw him live as a junior. What really stood out to me, Ryan was his physicality at the position. He was playing JCA at the time, his first game as, as a junior. And, and some of the stuff I, I still loved about him on defense is he, he brought the hammer, uh, and he's obviously added a lot of strength. Six foot three, over 200 pounds. I think he weighed in at 204. Uh, so he's ready to play physically. Needs to continue adding strength as well. But a guy that can go high point it, uses his great length, 33-inch arms, which is above average in the NFL, according to the combine numbers. Uh, and then he's got maybe not burner speed, but he's got enough speed, and it feels like he's got the the acceleration uh, to, to make people miss a little bit. Um, what, what do you see? What does he bring to this wide receiver room? I think the thing that stood out to me the most is his catch radius. I mean, you said that he's got long arms. He's a great jumper. He's a tall, tall body. So, you know, to me, you can throw it anywhere near him, and he's he tends to bring it in. I, I a lot of people have seen what he's done in seven on seven seasons, and people make the argument, oh, well, how's that translate to eleven on eleven when the pads and the helmets are on? But then he does it on the field when he's got you know in eleven on eleven team situations uh, where he's he's got pads, he's got the helmet, he goes up and he still makes those physically contested catchers or some of those circus catches I got to see him this year against Lane Tech and he had one where he was almost laid out and it was it was literally a fingertip away from coming down with it it was it was an incredible catch or incredible almost catch Mm -hmm. Um, but he's just got that ability and and I think that gives a little bit of forgiveness to the quarterback to miss by a bit when you've got a guy like that um, I mean, obviously, the better your quarterback is, the more likely the chances are to break a big play. Um, but it gives your quarterback a little bit of fudge to be able to miss and still come down with that catch, especially when he can physically dominate defensive backs. Yeah, we all have to do the comps here. Like, what what can he be? And I'm struggling here because I feel like he's got a little bit of the length and maybe long speed of a Geronimo Allison, but... I feel like he's physically built like Malik Turner, right? Like he's 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 got that kind of physicality to him. So uh, that kind of player. I mean, Illinois hasn't had a lot of those guys here recently. Brian Howard, Hightower's big physical. Josh Matorbebe was just a physical freak, but not the twitchiest. I think Elzey's got a little bit more more twitch to him. Uh, but I feel like he's got the potential of some of those guys that that Illinois kind of lacked here the last couple of years. Yeah, and and I don't want to create any sort of unrealistic expectations right. here, but he's he's got a little bit of Regis bend to him. I mean, if you look at some of Regis's tape, he's not necessarily oh as explosive. <laughs> he's not as explosive. And I know Regis was a five-star, but if you look at him, like similar body types, um, similar kind of movement in space, like he does a little bit of the same stuff. So it, it's tough because Illinois hasn't had many receivers like this. Right. And so when you're making a comparison, you're having a vent, you're having to get a little bit off of, of or out of the box, but 
you know, he, what I saw was a little bit of that because they would throw it to Regis in space. And, and Malik this year, a lot of times got it in space because, and, and I'm, I'm not sliding their quarterback at all, but they don't necessarily have the strongest quarterback play at Simeon. He's, he's a good player and he, he's been able to make the offense move, but you know, they found a lot of different ways to get it to Elsie. Um, and it wasn't just deep balls. There were a lot of times that he caught screens and was able to make a lot out of a pretty short play. So, and what I like about him, Ryan, he's going to block because he certainly did that for Andre Cruz, who's really good running back, one of the best running backs in the state this past year. Um, and and in this offense, you got to be a willing blocker, and I think that really helps you for the NFL. Uh, if that's where you you want to be, because you're going to have to do that, um, I, I think he could be a tremendous asset. And in the blocking game, which we know under Brett Bielma, like I think Barry Lunny's going to throw it a little bit more without Chase Brown moving forward, but um, they still want to be a running physical offense, and I do think Malik Elzey can be a plus there. Yeah, and once they start, as they start to add more of these receiving threats, these viable receiving threats, the receiver room that can stretch the field, I think you're going to start to see this offense look a little more like what the UTSA offense did under Lunny in his last year there, where they had Zachary Franklin and some of the other guys in there that could stretch the field, go up and make contested catches, but they still didn't get away from the run game fundamentally. Um, they had a quarterback that was at least somewhat mobile, um, and was it Frank Harris? I think his name was. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously the running back, I think it was uh, Sincere McCormick. I mean, it was a very balanced attack, but it definitely had more threats in the passing game than what we saw this year from Illinois. And I think at, now that they've got guys like Elzey and then they've got some other guys that can start to stretch the field um, and give them more high percentage catches, uh, you're going to start to see a little more of that flavor that Lunny had his last year at UTSA. And right now in our huddle video, we got to the punting portion for Malik Elzey. So if you want a little bit of a weapon there, you can have the punting of Malik Elzey. Or a fake punting weapon. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, Ryan, like Illinois loses Brian Hightower. Pat Bryant's back. Casey Washington should be back. Isaiah Williams should be back. That's a nice solid floor, like better than Illinois has had in recent years. But there certainly is opportunity uh, to make an immediate impact, whether it's Colin Dixon, whether it's Malik Elzey, Kanari Wiltshire. You have a young group coming up. We'll, we'll talk more a little bit about uh, what George McDonald has done in that room. Uh, but do you expect Malik Elzey to make an immediate impact for Illinois? I don't think he's going to be one of their leading receivers, but I think he has a chance to to have a pretty significant contribution as a freshman. I, and it's, it's tough to come in and do that, but physically I think he's pretty well prepared it, it sounds like he's enrolling early which I, th I think is the case so if he's enrolling early that gives him a few months to to get physically dialed up for uh, you know the fall season I, I could see him being you know maybe a few hundred yard receiver catch a few touchdowns in the red zone and I think that's probably the big thing biggest thing he brings that this team really lacks in and they really struggle at this year is a red zone threat because when you have you look at his tape and the number of times that he just goes up and gets the ball um, in contested situations, Illinois really struggled to finish drives. And I think sometimes it was because they became too predictable down near the goal line with the run game and just couldn't punch it in. So when you have the ability or the you know have the versatility to not only run the ball well but also throw it up to a guy like that, I think that's going to give him some opportunities to be a jump ball guy. Uh, you know, be a threat in the red zone and potentially make a score a few touchdowns. 
Yeah, I think he's a guy that can get into the rotation. Uh, is he going to be one of their leading receivers? I mean, I, w- I would go with Isaiah Williams and Pat Bryant as those top two options. And Casey Washington, just a vet. Uh, he's reliable, all those things. Uh, but I can see him getting into the mix. Um, you know, Pat Bryant got into the mix as a, as a true freshman. I think Malik Ellis is a, a better prospect, um, maybe more explosive than Pat Bryant. So I, I could see, like you're saying, maybe the fourth, third leading receiver uh, on this team. Like, that wouldn't be out of the question. For me, you just never know uh, with freshmen. But among this class, uh, I think he's got a chance to, uh, among a lot of these guys on offense, to make as big as of an impact as any. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I think we got to shout out George McDonald, right? He took over, arguably, maybe besides quarterback Ryan, the worst position group um, from the Lovey Smith era. They just did not recruit that position very well. Uh, they the in-state prospects they just weren't able to get the the St. Louis prospects. They weren't able to get most of them. And he took over a room that, remember at the time he had to move Isaiah Williams and Deuce Span from quarterback to wide receiver, and they were two of the best threats during uh, Brett Bielema's first year. They had Caleb Griffin move from kicker to wide receiver during the spring. And, and their top two of their top guys were, were Casey Washington and Donnie Navarro. Casey Washington was the fourth wide receiver this year, basically. Donnie Navarro transfers, goes to Northwestern, doesn't make a very big impact. So he took over a room that wasn't all that good. The last two years, though, He's gotten a haul, man. Hank Beatty, Ian Pugh from in-state. Sean Miller, uh, very good prospect who chose uh, Illinois over several Power 5 offers. Ashton Hollins, you know, a little bit of a boomer bust guy maybe, but length and speed is certainly there. We'll see how he develops. And then this year you get Malik Elzey, Colin Dixon, who I thought before Elzey might have been the best offensive player in this class that they got. And then Kanari Wilcher, a guy you've been high on at wide receiver. They move from a DB prospect to a wide receiver prospect. It gives them a burner what do you think about what George McDonald has done in that room? Well, I I don't know if he's maybe made enemies with some of the other coaches because he keeps stealing all their best players. But uh, no, I, I think what he's he's done is he's put together a pretty good, diverse group. Um, you know, it used to be that Illinois had just like a lot of tall, slow guys. Um, <laughs> they, they've switched it up. I mean, obviously, Isaiah Williams had a really productive year this year, but it, besides him there weren't a whole lot of guys that really put together big stat number years. And, and some of that, you know, it's just a, a matter of rhythm and consistency. And some of that could be play calling and, and the flow of the games. But you look at what they've got now, they've got a variety of different threats in guys like Dixon, LZ, Pat Bryant that have that height and that length to go out there and get the ball. You've got fast guys like Isaiah Williams and Canary Wilcher. I, you know, Wilcher, I think probably takes a little bit of time to develop just to get physically where he needs to be. Um, especially if you know if he's ever going to be relied upon to be a blocker but um they've got guys that can they can get it and then there's they're proven guys that at the high school level have had that production so Dixon and Wiltshire were both 1500 plus yard guys as seniors um and then you've got some developmental guys like you mentioned that that have those tools like Hollins is really fast he's he's tall he's just not as physically built as some of the other guys are but that's you when you've got you know other depth in the room that gives you the luxury of giving them having time 
to uh, to get where he needs to be. And then same thing, like Ian Pugh was a contested recruitment. That was Illinois and Iowa fighting it out. And he's a great prospect. He's just a little bit slender right now. So as he continues to stack that weight and get bigger, uh, I think he can be another guy that <laughs> – guys lining up all they'll be able to throw ID of different guys out there. Yeah, I look at this group and you know in the slot, you know, you got Isaiah probably for another year. You get Hank Beatty and Canari Wilcher behind him, right? And and those guys maybe give you a little bit of something different. Canari just pure burner, uh Hank Beatty, ridiculous hands, really good route runner. Then the outside, you have Malik Elzey now with, with Ian Pugh and, and Ashton Hollins kind of as those long, slender, you hope, take the top off of defense, win some contested catches. And then I kind of see Sean Miller and Colin Dixon as kind of these versatile guys who can kind of work everywhere. Uh, I just think that's as deep of a room, at least in talent. Um, and, and then you develop them. And, and George McDonald has a really good history uh, of development dating back to you know NC State, uh, going back to Syracuse, like – He's done really good at this. He's coached at the NFL level, and you've seen him get more out of the wide receivers that that he inherited uh, than the previous staff. So I think he's doing a really good job. Um, you know, I, I think outside linebacker, the staff has done a really good job of, of building up young depth, offensive line, um, but wide receiver is is and defensive back, of course. But wide receiver uh, on offense, you feel almost probably as as good as any um, running back. They're doing a good job too, but I, I just feel like. Compared to where they were, Ryan, it's just a major step forward in, in recruiting talent to this position. Yeah, I would say the, the two groups that have probably made the biggest jump on this roster have been receiver and offensive line. Um, you know, they've had some good offensive linemen. They've had some good offensive lines. But I, I feel like the depth of the offensive line has really taken a big jump. But to your point, receiver has probably improved the most of any other groups on the team. Um, Sands maybe quarterback. But – the receiver group, you know, now that they've got this meaningful depth, they've got seven, eight guys they can put on the field and feel confident that they can go out there and execute these plays. Uh, and then they've got some of this top-end talent that's actually going to be able to go out there and really make plays, win contested throws, and be reliable. I, I think that's the biggest thing is it was, a, you know, the last few years there have been drop problems. They've had missed routes, things like that. The group that's in there now, I feel – the, co- the coaches probably have a lot more confidence in um, which is going to allow them to open up the playbook more and which I think will also allow Barry Lunny to be more creative and then they can hopefully that translates to moving the ball more effectively through the air this group does lose Brian Hightower who I thought had a really nice season didn't play in the bowl game Prepy almost said it was a hamstring injury I think he was covering for Brian but Brian was there with his team he's got an extra year of eligibility because he redshirted last year which was kind of a lost year for him um i saw he's visiting ucla he's an la native that would make some sense for him so i i don't want to poo-poo that loss i mean he's a he's a proven uh guy who can produce uh for you at the wide receiver position big physical uh one of his best catches of the year called back against indiana but that that's a loss but i do think it's it's a replaceable guy pat bryant takes his step forward if Ian Pugh or Malik Elzey or Colin Dixon makes an immediate impact. Um, but do you, do you think Illinois should go after a, a transfer wide receiver? Because they certainly could use somebody who can create some separation. We saw during the bowl game outside of Isaiah Williams that that is still an issue for this group. 
I, I could see them potentially doing it. I think they've got bigger needs. Um, but if, if the space is there and the right guy falls into their lap, then by all means, I, I think it could be a value add. Um, but like you said, I, I think they've done a good job of filling that void with some of the prospects they've landed uh, between Dixon and Nelsie. I think one of those two guys are between the two of them. They can probably at least replace what Brian Hightower was bringing um, potentially as soon as this year. Um, but like I said, if, if the right guy falls falls into the transfer portal or if they get an opportunity to add somebody, I, I could see Bielema being opportunistic and, and jumping on that, just knowing he has a chance to improve his offense. I, I don't think he's the type of person to pass up an opportunity like that if he knows it can make his team better. He's he's just competitive like that. So Malik Elzey currently with this commitment puts Illinois in the top 40 nationally uh, and I believe top 8, top 7 uh, in the Big Ten in, in the recruiting rankings. Just to put that into context here, Ryan, Illinois has not had a top 40 class since 2009, right? So I know there's some, some misses that, that you'd love to have back, especially Roderick Pierce or J- Jair Hill especially, some of those in-state guys. But this is just a gradually improving recruiting operation, and you're starting to win some of these bigger battles against Big Ten rivals, whether it's you know Wisconsin or Iowa. Still got to beat Michigan, uh, but hey, they're back-to-back Big Ten champion and back-to-back college football playoffs, so it's going to be difficult for Illinois to do that. But, man, if, if you told me before this year that Illinois is going to land Caton Fagan, Malik Elzey, you know, a bunch of their guys that they got in on, on official visits in June – I'd say that's a pretty dang good class. So if we're grading this class, I'm probably saying, you know, B plus support Kareem to me is is a monster addition. I, I think he's a phenomenal prospect. The questions I still have in this class are, are defensive line and quarterback. But uh, outside of that, I'd probably give this class a, a B plus given Illinois' history. Well, I think that's fair, especially when you look at just what they had to sell early in the cycle. Um, you know, they closed they closed really well in this class, and, I, you know, they had a couple of hot streaks in there. But when you look at recruiting as a whole, so much of it starts so early. And when they first started recruiting a lot of the, the top guys that they missed out on in this class, they really didn't have a whole lot to sell. Um, you know, they were, they were having to say, hey, we're going to get better. We're going to get better. And then by the time they did get better, there were a lot of guys that were already way down the road in their recruitments with other schools. So I, I think – as much as they were able to improve this year, if they can stack another really good season on top of what they did this year, they're going to be in the conversation for some more high-level talent. Because they've been able to get in on the ground floor of some of these recruitments now while they're relevant, while they're successful. Um, you know, They're not trying to sell 3-9, and 4-8, and 5-7 and seven anymore. They're, they're selling 8-5 and five to guys that are in the 2024-2025 classes. Um, one guy in particular who I think we're going to need to keep an eye on over the next couple of years is LZ's teammate, Chris Burgess. That was a guy that they got in on early. They had him down for a camp, offered him. I think it was his second offer. I want to say Michigan was the first. Um, no, it was Akron. He, Akron, then Akron, Illinois. I don't think Michigan's even offered yet, but yeah. I, I, I know they've been involved and he's visited a couple yes. times, but but that's a guy that, that Illinois has done well with because they got in early, and when they got involved, things were on the uptick. And, you know, beforehand, I would have thought, oh, there's there's no way, like, you know, he's just going to end up somewhere else. But, like, they're starting to gain traction with some of these guys because they're they're recruiting better or they're playing better. And I think because they're playing better, they're able to recruit better. Yeah, and if we're looking ahead to 2024, they already got one commitment from a, a solid three-star offensive lineman, Brandon Hansen out of Mundelein, Illinois. I think that's a solid first get in this class. Um, it's going to be fascinating to see how this class – 
You know, they've had tw- just to put this again in context. Illinois, Illinois signed zero in-state prospects in the class of 2020. The first two full years of Brett Bielman being the head coach, they've signed 20. 20. Um, and, you know, Brandon Hansen's committed, so that's 21. But it's going to be interesting to see how that builds upon itself moving forward. Uh, some of the guys I have highlighted in the 2024 classes, Lions Township defensive lineman Eddie Turk. He's, he's in Illinois. I guess legacy. His dad went here. His his uh, sister attends here. He's visited here multiple times along with a bunch of other uh, Big Ten schools. Tyshawn Griffin out of Morgan Park, our Chicago Public League kid. Luke Williams uh, out of Naperville North, the teammate of David Alano, the kicker. He's a wide receiver. Uh, Marcus Easley out of Kankakee. Uh, Illinois just offered. He's gotten a rush of offers. And Darian Dupree out of Mount Carmel, which Illinois has done pretty good in the Chicago Catholic League. You know, some of those top five guys in this class, I feel like Illinois is is behind on, even though they offered early. But that group of guys, the guys five through 15 in, in this 2024 class, I think Illinois is off to a good start. And, and we'll see how landing a guy like Malik Elzey, Caden Fagan, some of these other Chicagoland kids, and what eight and five uh, can do for them in this 2024 class, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, in the last decade, it's it's been crazy to see how they might have only signed two or three in the top 25 in the state. And now they're regularly in contention for double digits in the top 15. So, to, yeah, to your point, the top five, I think, in 2024 is going to be tough sledding. You know, they were a little bit behind. They offered early, but it was, you know, as far as the clout that they had when they started recruiting these guys, I, I think they were a little behind. If you look like Christian Bentinker, Justin Scott, Cam Williams, uh, Grant Stack, those are guys that I just don't know that they were really ever able to get that traction with early on enough. Um, but, you know, I think they've done really well with that next group, and those guys are quality players. I mean, Marianne Stewart for Bolingbroke is an incredible player. Uh, Marquise Easley has blown up. Uh, Tyshawn Griffin is, is a huge play threat, uh, and he plays a lot of different positions. So there are a lot of great players with a bunch of offers. And, you know, Illinois – high school football has a pretty deep 2024 class. You know, it's it's not just a handful of guys up top and then the rest is all Mac level players. They've got a lot of guys that are sought after. Uh, and the level of competition for recruiting in the state of Illinois has gone up. So, you know, Illinois and Brett Bielema, they're going to try and defend that turf. And I, I think that's something that Bielema made very clear when he came in was Illinois is going to be a priority. We need to try and seal the borders as much as we can. I mean, I, I don't think it's realistic to expect that they shut it down entirely, but they need to be able to get their share of the top talent year over year. And I, I think that is what's going to be the foundation. And what, you know, when he came on, we said this would be the foundation of how they turn this around. And I think they've, they've proceeded that way. I think it's, it's been the way that they've been able to really start to turn things around and build that pride and that favor within the state. And that's, that's been able to elevate the profile of the program starting at home. Yeah, definitely a lot left in this offseason. We've got big NFL draft decisions. Tariq Barnes comes back. I think that's a, a nice uh, get back. Uh, team captain, a guy in your front seven you can count on. So that linebacker group, when you include the outside linebackers in it, 
with Tariq Barnes. We'll see what C.J. Hart does. Uh, but Kenena Odaluga coming back. And then you add Seth Coleman, Gabe Akis. You're feeling good about that. We'll see what the law firm of Keith Randolph and Johnny Newton decides. And some big decisions on the offensive line with Julian Pearl uh, and uh, Isaiah Adams, who, who had a fantastic season and uh, has gotten some good NFL draft feedback. But uh, the hope is that he comes back and potentially could be a, a day one or day two pick uh, in 2024. So some big decisions coming up here with Illinois football. And, and that certainly will impact what happens with the transfer portal. Um, one guy I want to mention, it's a guy I watched camp at Illinois, uh, a normal Illinois native, Marcellus Johnson out of Eastern Michigan, told me he's visiting Illinois at some point this weekend. Uh, he's got about five visits set up. Visit Auburn, which just got another transfer offensive lineman. Uh, he's going to visit Missouri and a few other schools. But Illinois in the mix there. And I can't argue, Ryan. Like I upgrade offensive line as much as you can because I think Avery Jones is going to be an upgrade at center. If Julian Pearl and Isaiah Adams come back, those are two potential pros. Then you think Zy Chrysler can improve uh, going into his second year at the Big Ten level as a junior. If you can add a guy like Marcellus Johnson to that group as well, this offensive line could be even better than it was this year. Yeah, I mean, they were in the conversation as a Joe Moore semifinalist offensive line so obviously they had they had played a lot better and some of that is credit to Bart Miller for developing some of these guys because you know they had a lot of good players but it seems like at least for the most part the offensive line took that jump and you know as as great as Chase Brown was a lot of that is due to that offensive line as well Um, but as I as I mentioned on the same thing with the receivers if Brett Bielema feels there's an opportunity to elevate the the quality of his (laughs) offensive line I think he's going to do it uh, I think he'll he'll take that opportunity to add a key piece, and and they've got some guys that can flex to more than one position. So if there's somebody that's available at a certain position, and they can move some pieces around to make that work and and get their best five out there, I think they'll do it. Um, and it doesn't hurt, especially. I mean, I, I think you kind of have to recruit Johnson, whether you know what Pearl and Adams are going to do or not, uh, because it, if you start later, once you find out, you're already too late. So get in there be in the picture, make your pitch. If you land them, great, figure it out. I I, th- I don't think you want to be playing catch-up later and then be left empty-handed. Yeah, Marcellus Johnson, one year of eligibility, played at Eastern Michigan, uh, started a bunch of games, could play tackle, uh, but also could play guard. And Isaiah Adams certainly has that flexibility to play guard or tackle. And, hey, listen, Jordan Slaughter, um, you know, maybe an opportunity in his final year of eligibility, but, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm upgrading if I can. Um, so I'm not going to apologize for that. Defensive line obviously could be a huge transfer need if, if Johnny Newton or Keith Randolph or both uh, go pro. That certainly become a huge position in need. Outside of that, Ryan, I think the position we should talk about, we've talked about receiver a little bit, running back. Uh, I think I think we got to bring that up, right? Because Reggie Love, I think we saw, can be solid. Is he a number one workhorse back? That remains to be seen. Josh McCray, we saw flashes of it as a freshman. This was kind of a lost year for him. Uh, never looked the same with those injuries. And then certainly Jordan Anderson, Aiden Lawfrey, and Caden Fagan have talent. But my position on running back has been if you can add a star, like the Carson Steele guy from Ball State just went to UCLA, if you can add a, a running back of that caliber, of that proven production, I'd go get one. Um, but I, I think it's got to be a guy who can be a star. It's just enticing because Illinois can certainly sell that running position pretty dang well, given what Chase Brown and and Brett Bielema uh, has accomplished throughout the career. Yeah, and I think part of the reason that 
where we have some uncertainty at the running back position is because Chase Brown had 324, I think it was, carries this year. That's a lot. And that means that those are carries where other guys aren't necessarily getting the ball that much. So, you know, Chase Brown was their every down back. And until he was gone, we really didn't get a chance to see, okay, what else we got here? Like Reggie Love got some limited touches. He, he carried the ball more in the, in the Northwestern game and looked solid. I thought he had some really good runs in that game, but they haven't had a workhorse outside of Chase Brown, and they really rode Chase Brown this year. Um, what? And, and I don't know if this offense is necessarily – built around having a single workhorse back. Um, obviously, it worked fairly well this year with Chase Brown leading the country in yardage, but he had a lot of carries. Uh, so if anything, I, I think if you do have an opportunity to add a back, it, it also helps split the load. Uh, because, I mean, Josh McCray was hurt a little bit this year. Aiden Lawfrey has dealt with injuries a lot. Um, Fagan's not proven yet. I mean, he's, he's going to be a true freshman. Jordan Anderson, I, I have high hopes for, but he's unproven at the college level. So you, you don't really know what you have. Like this is going to be a, who's going to step up year. Uh, I think the clubhouse leaders are McCray and love. Um, but largely, you know, as three down backs, they're unproven. Uh, McCray certainly looks the part. Reggie love is, is built well for it, but who, who's going to step up. And if you, if you have an opportunity to add a guy or sell, make that sell where you say, Hey, look what chase Brown did. We think you can do the same. I think you do it, but only if it's the right guy. I don't think you bring in another running back to say, hey, we think you can be a thousand yard back here or, hey, we want you to split carries with these guys. I think it's it's got to be a, a prime candidate to fill that void that Chase Brown is leaving. And I don't think it's a multi-year guy. It's probably a one-year guy that's looking to have one hot year and then probably skip to the league. I would agree with that. I would agree. I think it's got to be someone who's uh, proven to be a star at this level. And we'll see if that guy is even there. I know they feel good about their options. It's just, hey, they're unproven. And, and in this portal era, you have a chance to upgrade. You might want to try an upgrade. Uh, any other thoughts, Ryan, before we get out of here? Well, no, it's just uh, with a few days left here, uh, obviously they've got a chance to host some transfer visitors. We haven't heard any news yet, but I'd imagine that things start to leak out um, just as things things play out. But um, I'll be interested to see who ends up in town. Uh, I mean, other than Johnson, who we, we know is visiting, um, if they if they do host any other prime transfers and just see like who all is looking around. Um, you know, I, I think there's still going to be some guys that, that wind up hitting the portal. I think there's going to be still some movement in rosters. I mean, Illinois potentially could still see some guys, guys leaving the program. I think they're going to have to because it's just where the numbers are right now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they, they keep a close eye on this. Pat Embleton's great at keeping a track of the roster and their all their personnel and making sure that they wind up where they need to wind up but you know i'll be i'll be interested to see because you know they don't want to be too reliant on the portal they they want to get what they need in, in key specific or strategic positions um and and be opportunistic whenever the right guys come along but i'll be interested to see if they maybe fill one or two more spots at some key spots to to help fortify the roster both through the spring and moving into the fall too because this spring is going to be critical for the team taking that leap getting the new quarterback assimilated into the team and and really building um building that chemistry that they're going to need to keep this thing going yeah we mentioned hightower virtus brown also enters the portal guy who kind of switched positions a lot in his career and under this staff just didn't seem to have uh what they wanted the offensive line and the defensive line uh they said 
better option. So he kind of had fallen down the depth chart. So not a surprise uh, that, that he's transferring, and I don't think it'll make a big impact on the 2023 class but or the 2023 season. But uh, great kid, man. Uh, great uh, recruitment to cover. It was a big win for Lovey Smith and that staff at the time. Uh, just ended up working out here at Illinois. All right, that'll do it for us on the Online Choir Podcast. Big day for Illinois football as they land. Malik Elzey, check out all our content up right now at IlliniInquire.com. You get $1 for your first month of VIP access if you don't have it already. Uh, and give us a follow wherever you get your podcasts. Like us, uh, review us. We appreciate all of that. And check us out on YouTube as well. For Ryan Easterling, I'm Jeremy Warner. Everybody take care of each other. Have a great day. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Choir Podcast. Bye, everybody.